Hey, welcome back to the next installment of our Follow Me sermon series. We've been talking about the life of Jesus. We've been sort of looking at the life of Jesus and going, wow, how did he live? And how can I live like he lived? What were the values that Jesus held? What were the priorities that he put in place because of those values? And how do I live by those kind of values and priorities in my own life? We're taking seriously the idea that Jesus said, follow me and I will make you into the version of yourself that I have had in mind for you all along. So that's sort of what this uh, sermon series is really all about. Last week we talked about forgiveness in the life of Jesus and how quick he is to forgive and how much he gave in order to forgive. And boy, people like that sermon. People love to hear about the idea that God offers us forgiveness. I mean, who doesn't want to have all of their sins forgiven and for Jesus to pay the price for that instead of you having to pay the price for your own sin? So that is a popular sermon topic, the forgiveness of Jesus. But there's another side of forgiveness that we need to talk about this week, and that is not something that you might like quite as well as the thing you heard last week. Let me put it like this. One of my favorite authors was C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. He's got a point, doesn't he? Everybody loves forgiveness. We love the idea of forgiveness. But boy, you hurt me or you hurt somebody I love and forgiveness is not such a great idea in my mind anymore. Maybe you uh, are old enough like me to remember all those Rocky movies that came out. They started in the 70s and they're still going. I mean, Rocky is 240 years old now and he's still beating people up. So if you think back to the movie Rocky IV, we love that, um, that theme of a movie, right? Because what happened is Rocky's friend got killed and Rocky was out for revenge. All he wanted to do was get even. And he was kind of a washed up fighter, but he decided that he was going to come out and he was going to train like never before. He went to Russia. You know, he was bench pressing like polar bears and he was, you know, uh, swimming in the ice lakes and all this kind of stuff so he could get himself really toughened up so he could fight this big Russian, right? And, and the Russian boxer even had a scary name. His name was Ivan Drago. And he was ready to kill Rocky. And his great quote was, if he dies, he dies. That was a great Russian accent, wasn't it? Anyways, Rocky decides he's going to take this guy on. He's going to risk his life because he killed his friend and he's going to get even. And we love a story like that. Maybe you've seen those movies called Taken. There's Taken 1, Taken 2, Taken 3, Taken 12, Taken 15. You know, it's Liam Neeson. His daughter gets kidnapped and he goes after the guys that took her. And then the next time something else happens and he goes after those guys. And every time something gets taken from him and he goes after them. Uh, he's at McDonald's. Somebody takes one of his fries. He blows up McDonald's. That's kind of his thing, right? If you take something from me, I will get even. 
And there's something that clicks for us in a story like that because we sort of understand that feeling. If you hurt me, if you wrong me, I'm going to make you pay. The truth is, though, we all need forgiveness sometimes. And we talked about that last week. And there's no more important forgiveness than the forgiveness of our sin that can only come through Jesus Christ. And if you don't know about that, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back and watch last week's video and listen to that sermon again and get a sense for what kind of forgiveness Jesus offers. But there is more to the topic of forgiveness than just that. God is not the only one that we offend. We humans offend each other all the time. And I'm not talking about some sort of hypersensitive, politically correct, everybody gets offended about everything kind of thing. I'm talking about real offenses. I'm talking about real hurts, real pain that we cause each other just in the nature of having human relationships. All of us know what it's like to be on each side of that, having been the offender and having been the offended. We hurt other people. That's the nature of this fallen world. We break our promises. We attack other people. We, we break the hearts of those who love us. All of us know what that's about. And we all know what it is to need forgiveness from God. And we also know what it is to need forgiveness from other people. But unlike last week, this morning, I don't want to focus so much on our need to be forgiven as I want to focus on our need to forgive others. After all, this is a series on walking in the footsteps of Jesus, right? It's a, it's a series of patterning our life after the life of Jesus. And when you really think about it, Jesus does not give us an example of what to do when you need to be forgiven because Jesus never needed to be forgiven. He's the only human being who was ever perfect. He's the only one who has ever been sinless. So he doesn't set any example for us on what to do when you need to be forgiven. He never committed a sin, but he does know a thing or two about extending forgiveness to those who need it. What did we hear him say last week? Mark chapter 2. They bring the guy to him, drop him down through the roof, and his response is, son, your sins are forgiven. If Jesus coined a motto, I think that might be his motto. At Grace Fellowship, our motto is loving God, loving people, Right, changing the world. Loving God, loving people, changing the world. I just wanted to see if you remembered. If Jesus had a motto like that, I think that at the bottom of his business cards, it might say, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. And at the bottom, it would say, your sins are forgiven. He, he might have it printed on the back of his robe as he walked through town. Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. How much better... Would all of our lives be if we live by that same motto? If we were as ready to forgive people as Jesus was? If we're going to be honest, most of us are not really great at forgiving others. 
That's just the truth. We have a knack for holding grudges. Some of us can talk for hours about the injustices we have had to endure in our lives. Some of us have just are kept awake at night over things that happened to us 30 years ago. And we can tell you the time and the place and what happened and whose fault it was. And it's still eating away at us. Some of us have a list, right? And we know who is on that list all the time. My mom used to say, you better watch out. You're about to get on my list. And that's when I knew it was time to straighten up because you did not want to be on my mom's list. She actually had a specific name for her list, but in honor of her memory, I think I'm just going to call it her list. And if you got on her list, you were in big, big trouble. Well, a lot of us carry a list. There are people whose names are on our list. I know people who didn't go to their high school reunion, not because they didn't want to, but because they couldn't bear to see that girl who was so mean to them in the 10th grade. I know of instances where a parent has missed his child's wedding because he couldn't bear to be in the same room with his ex-wife. Forgiveness will eat you up. Forgiveness will rob you of your joy. Unforgiveness will rob you of your joy. We don't want to forgive. So we live our lives under the control of the bitterness that comes with unforgiveness. And that's what eats us up. And even though it makes us miserable to walk around carrying all that weight of bitterness, we still insist on our right to do so, don't we? Let me try to illustrate this for you. You're driving your car, right? You're stopped at a red light, which happens a lot here in Southern California. You're stopped at a red light, and you're looking at the light, and the light turns green. So being a good driver, you look to your left to just make sure it's clear right as you're about to step on the gas, and you see a car coming at 60 miles an hour. There is no way he's about to stop. He's going to run that red light, and you see it, and you know it's about to happen, and you step on the gas anyway and barrel into him and cause this huge accident. And when asked what happened, you say, it was my right-of-way. Well, okay, it was your right-of-way. I'll give you that. But guess what? Your car is totaled, and you're going to the hospital in the back of an ambulance. You insisted on your rights. And I have talked to so many people. When I talk to them about the bitterness in their life, they tell me, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be upset. Didn't I tell you what they did to me? And I say, yeah, you have that right. If you want to make yourself miserable, you have a right. But let me just speak to those of you who are tired of being miserable. God has a plan for your life that goes way beyond what you think your rights are. He has a plan for your life for freedom instead of bondage. He has a plan for your life for joy instead of bitterness. He has a plan for your life for wholeness instead of brokenness. You have a right to choose brokenness. You have a right to choose bitterness. But why would you? Let me tell you something. You can hold on to your bitterness, but it will destroy you. The result of the bitterness is often worse than the offense itself. How many of you have heard the name James Garfield? 
Well, hopefully you have. He was the 20th president of the United States, right? He was president. He was elected in 1880. He became president March the 4th, 1881. I think uh, Jim Thompson spoke at his inauguration. Now, <laughs> somebody told me last week, there are people listening who have no idea who Jim Thompson is. Let me just tell you, for those of you who don't know, Jim Thompson is the oldest living human being I've ever met. And so when there's something that happened a very long time ago, I usually attribute it to Jim. And I know that Jim was a part of the campaign for President Garfield in 1880. And so he was, he was inaugurated March the 4th, 1881. He was shot by an assassin July the 2nd, 1881. And he died two and a half months later on September the 19th, 1881. It was not the bullet that killed him. See, the doctors, after he got shot, trying to treat him, probed the wound trying to get to the bullet, but they could never find the bullet. And so doctor after doctor came to see him, each one sticking his finger in the wound and probing around to find this bullet. And it went on for weeks until finally all those dirty hands created an infection and the infection killed the president. That's the way it is for some of us. Of course you've been hurt. And let me just tell you, the last thing I want to imply here is that you should take that pain lightly. I don't take your pain lightly. I understand that it's real pain. And I know that you've been hurt in many ways. All of us have. We've all had more than enough pain in our lives. That goes without saying, but some of us just keep probing the wound. Some of us will not let the wound heal. And what happens is there's an infection that sets in, and the Bible calls that infection bitterness. And it tells us not to let bitterness take root in our lives because it will wreak destruction upon us. So the question in your life and mine is not whether or not you're going to be wounded. You will be wounded. The question is whether or not you will allow those wounds to heal through forgiveness or whether you'll keep probing the wound until bitterness sets in and takes what's left of your life. Last week we talked a lot about the way that Jesus forgave sins. He is a great example of forgiving sins in other people. Well, you say, that's great. I'm so glad Jesus forgives sins. But Jesus is God and I'm not God. I'm only human. You can't really expect me to forgive the people that have hurt me, can you? <laughs> I am glad you asked. Finally, we're going to get to the Bible. Open your Bibles with me. Go to 1 Peter. Now, 1 Peter is all the way to the back of your Bible. If you get to uh, Revelation, you went just a little too far. Turn back to the left from Revelation. Find 1 Peter. It's just a few books before you get to Revelation at the end. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want to invite you to join me as I read, beginning in verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen. Peter writes this, servants, 
Be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, that finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. Now listen, this is verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, here it is, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Who committed no sin. Nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. So from that passage, I have some good news and I have some bad news. I'm going to start with the good news. You ready? The good news is this. Jesus suffered and died for your sins. Jesus endured the cross for your sins sake. Jesus came to earth, became human, lived a sinless life, and died a gruesome death in order to forgive you. Now, if that is not good news, I don't know what is. I'm assuming that I should give you a second here because you're doing backflips in your living room. You're super excited to hear that Jesus did this for you. That is the gospel. That is the good news. You had no way to save yourself and he saved you. You couldn't get forgiveness from God any other way and he forgave you. That is good news. But this passage also brings some bad news, even though it's really good news too. Here's the bad news. He expects you to walk in his footsteps. This Jesus who laid down his life for you, this Jesus who so readily forgave you, even when his suffering was unjust and it was your fault and my fault, Jesus readily forgave. And he says he expects you to walk in his footsteps. When you endure the harsh treatment of others, he expects you to offer them forgiveness as well. Now, it's probably important to have a side note here. I am not talking about looking the other way at injustice. And I'm not talking about allowing yourself to be abused. But I am talking about choosing to forgive others even when they've treated you unjustly and even when they've abused you. I'm talking about not holding a grudge. I'm talking about laying down this weight of bitterness that is too heavy for you to carry. Now, I want to give you one more passage for you to think about. From 1 Peter, you're going to go left several books to the book of Ephesians. 
It's also in your New Testament. It's right after Galatians. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32 with me. The last two verses, I love these verses. Last two verses of chapter 4. Here it is. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now this is another one of those passages where there's good news and bad news. This time I'm going to start with the bad news, okay? Are you ready? Here's the bad news from Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. God expects you to choose kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness instead of things like bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, clamor, and malice. He commands you to set those things aside as an act of your will and instead choose kindness. Instead, choose tenderheartedness. Instead, choose, what is it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That same thing that you're so thrilled to receive from God. That same thing that you have been so thrilled to receive from other loved ones in your life. He expects you, he commands you to extend that to other people. So the onus is on you and me. He's not excusing us when we choose not to forgive. He is not listening to our excuses. He is not open to the idea that he just doesn't understand. It's too hard. It's impossible. It's not impossible. Because that leads me to the good news. The good news of this passage is this. By God's grace, you can do it. You can forgive. You are not stuck. You don't have to be bitter one more moment of your life. You can forgive. You see, God is just. It's a part of his character. It's an attribute of his being. God cannot be unjust. And when God commands us, if you read this in the Greek, you would see that it's in the, in the command voice. That is to say, he is commanding us to do this. It is not optional. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. And because God is just, it is literally impossible for him to command us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. So if you have felt in the past like you just didn't have it in you to forgive, I want you to know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have it in you to forgive. You can do this by his grace, by his power. You can forgive. You don't have to be bitter. Well, by now, I hope that some of you are starting to come along and think, well, maybe I have some hope in this area. Maybe something good can, maybe it could happen. The question is this, how? How do I forgive the hurt that has taken such deep seat in my life? How do I forgive the hurt that has left such scars in my heart? Well, first of all, let me tell you this. You have to realize this. Forgiveness, like love, is not a feeling, it's a decision. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not about you feeling better about the person who's hurt you. It's not about you feeling warm fuzzies about what happened to you. It is about you, in spite of the hurt, 
choosing the act of forgiveness, which we just saw is available as an option for you to choose. Forgiveness is a decision. Let me tell you something. We know from scripture, Jesus did not feel like going to the cross. It bothered him so much that he sweat great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He did not feel like going to the cross. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that he endured the cross, despising the shame that came with it. But he chose forgiveness. And the cross was the necessary price of that forgiveness. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can choose to forgive too. Some of us have been locked up in a cage called bitterness for so long that we don't even remember what it's like for our hearts to be free. But we hold in our hands the key to that freedom, the key that unlocks that cage that we've been living in, and that key is called forgiveness. That doesn't mean you're always going to feel great about that person. That's okay. But your feelings are not your Lord. Jesus Christ is your Lord. And he has empowered you and he has commanded you and he has given you the opportunity to be set free by choosing to forgive. You can do this. You can. And it doesn't mean that you have to allow yourself to keep being hurt by that person. Sometimes you've got to get yourself removed from a situation where you're being hurt and abused. Sometimes you've got to remove someone from your life. Sometimes you've got to get some help. And if that's necessary in your life, you should by all means do that. I'm not talking about accepting abuse. I'm talking about choosing to forgive in spite of of the abuse in your past. You're still going to need to exercise your will to forgive. You may need some counseling. You may need some help from a friend who can walk through this with you and pray with you and give you good biblical counsel. Don't hesitate to get the help that you need. But my friends, don't live one more moment in the cage of bitterness when forgiveness is available to set you free. You will remain in that cage until you use the key called forgiveness and let yourself out. If you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, you have the key in your hand. Why not use that key today? And don't spend one more moment in the cage of bitterness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just lift our hands to you today, realizing that uh, for some of us, our hearts have been wrapped up in barbed wire called bitterness. Some of us have been hurt deeply, Lord, and you know about every single one of those hurts. You know about every single one of those needs. You know about every one of those disappointments. And Father, you cared deeply. I know that you have shed tears over the pain in our lives. But oh God, please don't let our abusers continue to abuse us long after they're gone from our lives. For those of us who have been 
allowing bitterness to take root in our lives, God. I pray for your grace to wash over us. Father, help us to say yes to you, to trust you, to let you turn the key of forgiveness in our lives so that bitterness might be cast off and we might be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving just as you have been toward us. Thank you, Jesus, for the example you've set. Help us to walk in that example. For we ask it in your name. Amen.